0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pro Football Hall of Famer and former Buffalo Bill Andre Reed. You're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circle the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumbling Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills.
2: Yeah. 2022. We here. Hey, 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 let's go Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Hey, 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 let's go Buffalo, Buffalo
1: Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate.
3: Hey, Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We have a special edition Episode with one of my favorite people to talk to on the site and one of my most favorite people to talk to in general about the Buffalo Bills. This episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. If you're in the Western New York or Central New York area, do yourselves a favor, get off the exit at Waterloo, New York, and check out the DeLago Resort and Casino. March Madness is coming up, so head on over to the DraftKings Sportsbook at the DeLago Resort and Casino. We hooked up one time uh, over training camp a few years ago, and it's just been a fun back and forth. I've had him on several times. You know him as Sean Murphy, staff writer for BuffaloRumblings.com. Sean, it is so good to talk to you again. How are you doing, man?
1: Dude, I'm great. Thanks for having me again. I love doing this. So let's, uh, let's get to stepping
3: Yes, absolutely. There's so many things to talk about. We're less than a week away from free agency and like drama is coming up in, in social media, um, the regular media, ESPN. I'll start off with this. Um, just yesterday, uh, Adam Schefter had mentioned that both Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds are, the Bills are getting ready to be without both of those players, um, in free agency. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, it must be getting signs from either their agents or the Buffalo Bills themselves saying that this probably won't happen um, instead of just looking at the cap situation, which, which could change before I even air this episode. But um, when you saw that, or you hear that, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that's, that's legitimate that they could, that they're both are most likely gone?
1: Yeah, I think uh, at one of two, at least I, they're the, the, stereotypical phrase is that there's always money in the banana stand, but there's not always money in the banana stand, especially when you have other areas of need. But, uh, I, I don't think it's terribly surprising to suggest that even though somebody like Jordan Poyer, who has been a great Buffalo Bill, he's been an all pro, he's been a pro bowler, uh, but he's going to be 32 years old and he's at a position where I think this coaching staff, uh, probably feels fairly confident that they can replace somebody with him. This this is a staff that's that's done a good job developing defensive backs uh, between Tredavious White and Taron Johnson and Kyer Elam and Christian Benford and even getting contributions from guys like Cam Lewis. So I, I think that it's not terribly surprising to think of somebody like Poyer uh, going. Edmonds, on the other hand, I, I would think... That the front office would would see a priority in bringing him back. My only guess would be that they've had preliminary discussions about a contract, and they're not near the same number. Perhaps uh, Edmonds is looking for somewhere in that seventeen to twenty million annually range, and Bean is maybe looking to go somewhere between twelve and fifteen. Uh, I'm I'm pulling these numbers out of my rear end, but that's that's like. If they're not thinking they can re-sign him, I don't think that it's a matter of, of ability. I would think that it's a matter of finances, given that he's, and everybody's sick of hearing this, he's still he's only 24 years old, and he's just finished his fifth year in the league. But the, the guy is only 24 years old, and he's just finished his fifth year in the league. There's not a lot of guys who are 6'5", 250, who run four sixes, who can handle tight ends, who can handle slot receivers. And who, who can handle running backs coming out of the backfield either? So I, I that's the guy that that if they're going to lose both of them, I think he is the harder one to replace, just in the fact that that he's a unicorn from a physical standpoint.
3: So I was actually going to ask you which one would you pick, and I think I, I obviously have right the in. answer to that. Yep, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you did. Um, if you're looking at like free agency, I mean, and you just did a state of the roster, you know, I mean, you're going through position group by position group. I, I mean, I, I said this a couple of years ago. It feels like the Bills have neglected the linebacker position because if, I mean, we've, you and I have been talking about like Tyrell Dodson. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, that they signed, I mean, Terrell Bernard, like to me, that was a questionable pick last year because it was more of uh not, Insurance in case Tremaine Edmonds goes. It was like insurance in case Matt Milano gets injured or yep. something to that effect. Um, it feels like this is a position that they've neglected in general. I mean, there's several positions that they've kind of neglected. You can't address all of them. Uh, but, uh, do, do you get that feeling? Like, cause I mean, no matter what, I feel like they're gonna have to, if they don't, uh, re-sign Tremaine Edmonds you're going to have to at least draft one yep. if not sign one as well, right?
1: Yeah, and, and to you hit it on the head I think with Bernard because that, that pick I think you were kinder than I, I would almost wager that it was a wasted pick <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just because a, a team that's in win-now mode going and picking a special teams player and a backup to your all-pro linebacker in the third round that 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 it doesn't make sense to me unless you think that you're either a going to be able to bulk him up and play him next to Milano or B you're going to change your defense in some way. Whereas a player like Edmonds is no longer necessary, uh, which I wonder if given Leslie Frazier's exit, there's some sort of thought about perhaps playing less nickel and maybe playing with three linebackers more. But I don't know, given that that what we've seen is that their base defense is the nickel defense. So to have your defense be pretty reliant on your unicorn middle linebacker being able to drop 15 yards into coverage to assist in all of the underneath zones, and then not have any backup plan just in case he decides that he can leave, is a bit of a head scratcher, but like you said, they've done this before and in particular on the defense, uh, the defensive line. And it's, it's that one tech position where Daquan Jones played 16 games last year, 17 counting the playoff game against Miami. Defense looked pretty solid all year. He doesn't play in one game. It's against Cincinnati. The, the whole thing just falls apart. They're getting pushed around all over the place. So if you have a system that's predicated on certain guys and certain positions, it does seem questionable where you can't have somebody who can step in and you're not going to have all pros at every position or at every level of the depth chart. But to if you're going to invest in things, it feels odd not to have looked at somebody who could immediately step in for Edmonds just in case.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you brought up um Leslie Frazier leaving. I wanna I wanna hit on that in just a second. You mentioned like possibly a change in philosophy now, going three linebackers where they're definitely gonna have to draft some linebackers and sign some linebackers yeah. now because they only plan on having two, you know, and maybe a backup for each one at this point. But that's that kinda goes into like my point of you know, I Tremaine Edmonds, I feel like there's a guy like this every year, and he's just been like this for me the last couple of years, but like I like him But I don't love him. You know what I mean? Like, I like what Tremaine Edmonds does. I think he's a very good player. He's just not 20 million, 17 to 20 million good, in my opinion. Like, in, if that's me, like, you have to make up for the fact that, like, there's one defensive lineman that's out ahead of you. And, like, you have to bridge the gap, possibly. Or, you have to take over a game. Maybe not take over a game, but, like, you have to be, uh, uh, tone setter for, for several games a year and i thought he did that the best he's ever done this year but it still wasn't consistent enough for me it still wasn't as good as i'd like to to see it felt like you know he's good in coverage but it's like how many is he really breaking up as opposed to like he's just right there to tackle the guy you know what i mean like yeah like and i don't know if that's a fraser thing of like soft defense bend but don't break keep everything in front of you or if it's just you know, he's just a little bit behind or he's just picking the wrong hole or whatever. Like, I, I if you think about it, and, and maybe I'm just over, you know, maybe I've overblown this in my head. Maybe this is hyperbole, but I feel like there's only like five or six plays I remember him truly making in the last several seasons. And if you're going to pay a guy, I, I'd say the same thing about Ed Oliver, too, by the way, is yep. I, I like Ed Oliver a lot. I don't love him. And if you're going to expect this guy to get paid, you know, in the $20 million range too, I want to love him. And at this point, I really don't. And this kind of goes into the drafting thing, which I didn't think I was going to get into drafting. (laughs) But you mentioned like the head scratching pick of Terrell Bernard. How about going back to back defensive ends? And it's just like the one guy can't even get on the field. And then you're, you know, back to back right tackles or, you know, offensive tackles with Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. And then it's like, we don't even know if we have a right tackle still, and we yeah. drafted two of them. Um, I don't even know if it's the position that's questionable. It's just the drafting. Um, and I know no one's perfect. Everyone, you know, drafts whatever, but like, the, okay, I'll start with this. If free agency starts next week, um, I feel less confident as a Bills fan because you have less money to spend on free agency. And I think Bean was very good at free agency. I think he's okay at drafting, if that makes sense. Does that, does that, has that ever crossed your mind now that we're going into 2023 free agency, something maybe similar?
1: Yeah, and I, I always feel like – and I, I think Matt Warren has done a really good job of, of writing about this throughout uh, – that, that Bean does a really nice job in free agency. Because he sets the bills up to take the best player available on their board rather than having to box themselves in to draft for need. Because he's done a really nice job stockpiling depth, uh, maybe cast off veteran free agents or or things on paper where the signings look good. Because if you remember when we signed Roger Saffold last year, all of us were like, this guy is a genius. This man is exactly what they need on the offensive line. Back with his old coach, it's a bounce back. It'll be great. And then the guy was terrible for the majority of the year. Uh, Spencer Brown, even, we, I think a lot of us liked the pick when it happened and knew it was a project. And he came out, and he was big, and he was angry. At, he was pretty bad last year. Um, he didn't have an offseason. He had back surgery. And I, I wonder how much... I'm hoping that that kind of guy can sit here now with a full offseason. He's healthy. He's rehabbed. He can go ahead and do what he needs to do uh, to get himself physically strong and, and back into shape to go ahead. Um, but, but looking at, at how he operates, I think sometimes that draft the best player on the board gets frustrating because we as fans might value certain positions differently than the front office and than the team does. And in a league that doesn't value running backs very much, for example, to spend two, three day two picks on running backs and then trade one of those day two picks, not for a receiver, but for another running back that you then don't use, except as a kick returner and a punt returner, it things start to get weird. And like, think about all the years where they've doubled up on positions in the draft. You mentioned it. Going back-to-back, A.J. Epinesa, or, yeah, was it Epinesa? No, it was Russo and Basham. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. The year after they took Epinesa in the first round, or the second round, um, in that same draft where they went back-to-back defensive ends, they also drafted Brown and Tommy Doyle. This past year, not only did they draft Terrell Bernard, but they drafted Balen Spector, another linebacker. Uh, when they drafted two wide receivers, they drafted Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, rip so like we've got this all these double ends here where I sometimes look oh and Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford too the double double and we look sometimes and I go okay man I really wish that he would pick a guy here where there's this glaring hole in the depth chart but it it doesn't fit the, the value so he doesn't do it and Brandon Bean's a hell of a lot smarter than I am he's a lot better at this than I am and I have the luxury of being able to sit back and my job doesn't depend on making the right pick. My job is, is, well, my secondary job here is to talk about the pick that he makes and just, you know, spout off. And if I say the wrong thing, everybody will forget that I talked about it 10 seconds later. But if he says or does the right thing or the wrong thing, he's effed. Like he's, he's out of it. So I, I think that we are a little hard on him. In, the, in that sense, because there there have been players that fit the system well, uh, but there there are some misses in there. I think I stopped meandering around the point because you were talking about Edmonds and Oliver being guys that don't dominate the game either. And, yeah, Edmonds, that I get that critique, because if you want to pay a linebacker $18 million, you want him to be Bobby Wagner. You want him to be Fred Warner. You want him to be like these... Legit, I mean, guys. C.J. Mosley, yeah, yeah. You want him to be, David? Yep. Yes, you want him to be that guy. And I do think it's fair to wonder whether or not a lot of the plays that he makes are just keeping the offense from making the play that they want, and that doesn't really show up on a stat sheet because, like, mm-hmm. I, I've seen film breakdowns that other guys have done where. Edmonds is just able to drop, like, comically deep and get into a throwing lane, and instead of getting the 12-yard in-cut that most quarterbacks would be able to get on defense, he had to settle for the three-yard dump-off to the other side, and then Taron Johnson gets the tackle, or Edmonds has, you know, he's 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and then there's a draw play, and he gets up and he makes the tackle five yards downfield. But if he misses that tackle, it's a 70-yard gain. So I I think that there's some some push and pull there with what he's asked to do. Because a guy like Milano is asked to, I mean, pardon the expression, he's asked to just go fuck shit up. Like, he gets to just go, okay, hey, there's the guy. I'm the heat-seeking missile. I'm going to go hit him. Whereas Edmonds kind of has to go, okay, I have to read this key. Now I have to be here. Now I have to back off. Now I have to come in. It's almost like he plays back-to-front. Whereas we're used to linebackers playing front to back. And I I wonder sometimes if that's why that lack of those lack of plays sometimes come in.
3: Well, I mean, that kind of rolls into like, the, it was a crazy season for the Buffalo Bills in general. I mean, you talk about all the things that they had to deal with. I mean, like from the top shooting, you know, last year, uh, like in, I think it was like in May. And then, you know, you talk about like Miss, you know, uh, Kim Pagula's uh, sickness and Damar Hamlin and like, you know, uh, Dawson Knox's little brother passing away. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so many things went. Von Miller, you know, tearing his ACL, you know, Tredavious White coming back a little bit later than we had, you know, kind of hoped or yep. expected. I mean, this was just a crazy, crazy season. And that doesn't, I don't think, I don't know if I mentioned him or, him, or I think I did, but like this, there were so many things they dealt with. And it feels to me like uh, this is con- a continuation now with a Leslie Frazier Uh, I don't know if you want to call it dismissal or him leaving or whatever. Um, But uh, first of all, I want your thoughts on that whole situation. And um, then I want to ask you eventually, like, I wonder if this is making the decision for Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds, if they are going to leave a little bit easier, knowing that that's leaving. I mean, maybe there's some internal struggle that we don't see on the outside that's happening at one Bill's
1: drive. Yeah, that, that, last point that you just made is one I didn't consider. I'm really glad you, you brought that up because everybody loves Frazier, and I, I think everybody respects him in that building, uh, McDermott included. I, I don't think that well, there were fans calling for Leslie Frazier to be fired at the end. I mean, there were also fans calling for Ken Dorsey to be fired throughout the year. There were also fans calling for Brian Dable to be fired last year while we kind of knew that he was going to be a head coach somewhere at some point. So we are fan is short for fanatic and we are fickle by nature. Um But I don't know that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier saw eye to eye on how to do things based on like how this looks and the radio silence coming from a lot of these guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if There was a little bit of disagreement, which is normal on coaching staffs, I think. And when the head guy senses that somebody on his staff may not be a 100% in line with that vision, he may want to make a change. But Sean McDermott is significantly younger than Leslie Frazier. Uh, Leslie Frazier is a decorated coach, decorated coordinator, and was a, a... Very good player in the NFL, too. He was a starter on arguably the best defense in history for the 85 Bears. I don't think Sean McDermott is going to fire a guy like that. But Sean McDermott might make some moves to make it obvious that he's going to lessen his influence on the defense. Like talking about Al Holcomb and getting another guy in here and bringing in a different voice. And that may make a veteran coach's decision for him. Where he doesn't want to leave, he doesn't want to cause any strife, but he may sit and take a step back. And I could also be speculating here, and it could literally be that the man saw one of his players uh, die for nine minutes, for lack of a better phrase, and then had to watch him resuscitated, and then had to watch all of the young men in his room with him deal with that process. And as he grieved it out and went through it, he might have said, "You know what?" i I am too burnt for this right now, and I need to go, so there's that that team as a whole, and like correct me if you feel like I'm wrong or or jump in, but I feel like they just looked drained by the end, even against miami the the week before the season ended, that looked like a team that was running on fumes and they were running on pride, and they did not have much left. At that point, and I, I think that it's understandable, given all that they went through. But I, I wonder how much of that is is a part of Frazier's thinking, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, everything you just said, um, it makes complete sense when I think about it as well, just running on fumes. It just felt. Like I mean, Matt Milano said that you know, if felt like they couldn't get the energy going during that game, and it wasn't so much that they didn't have any energy at all. I don't think it was just that like they couldn't string together enough good plays to actually get like any momentum going. And uh, I, I think I don't think it was Frazier leaving was a firing or anything like that. Uh, although. I think that you're right. It makes more sense that McDermott was explaining maybe his role's changing because if they wanted to fire him, they, they picked a bad time to fire someone because all the good defensive coordinators are gone and who wouldn't want to be a defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills just outright. Um, I think, I think that there were some, I think everything you said makes a lot of sense with the reservations. Maybe they weren't seeing eye to eye and that makes sense. So, I mean, bigger picture though, that's kind of, if this is a thing where Poyer leaves and Tremaine Edmonds leaves, and those are culture guys, and you're talking about Devin Singletary possibly leaving, um, you know, the tenure defensive coordinator leaving, um, I mean, is this a change of culture that we're going to see in Buffalo? I mean, and this this could be a good thing. This could push them in the direction where they need to go to get over that hump, or could it be the other direction where, you know, they take a few steps back this season while trying to do this? Because, I mean, to be honest, like, I feel like it's a couple of steps back because we mentioned the free agency thing. I mean, Bean has, I want to say it's like $16 million less to spend in free agency because of Josh Allen's contract. Mm-hmm. And you knew he would, like, fill up those holes on this team. He might actually need to do it in the draft, which we just said a little while ago he's not that good at, or he's not as good at. Yeah. Um. Where do, you, where do you see it happening, and, and does it worry you, like, as a Bills fan and a writer?
1: That worries me a little bit, but I also think that... Uh, They, they still have, if you're making a Mount Rushmore of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, that Josh Allen's face is on the mountain. So they, when you have that guy, you're going to be good regardless. And even if they, even if they go 12 and five next year, if there's a couple of different bumps, um, I, I still think that this unit is, is too good to, to fall down too far. Um, we're also operating under the assumption that the defense was mostly Leslie Frazier's here, which it probably wasn't, or it probably isn't. I would suggest that it's probably a lot of McDermott anyway, uh, with, with game day play calling responsibilities falling to Frazier. So I, I think that, I think that any like steps back that they take would be more personnel, not like, Internal strife. I, I think that even if those things happen, like that kind of friction, I mean, we root for a team where that had a bunch of guys who literally hated each other and were referred to as the bickering bills throughout an entire season. And then they started winning more and they loved each other. So it, it, that kind of stuff will happen anytime that you're in a locker room full of a bunch of people with a bunch of personalities who are all the best at what they do at some point and have gigantic egos. So I, I think that they'll be okay in that regard. Uh, but it does make me a little nervous. If, if they, if they try to throw a rookie linebacker in there, for example, in place of Edmonds, that scares me because we watched his growing pains and we watched him go from a guy who missed, I think he missed like 24 tackles as a rookie to a guy who this year missed less than five according to, to pro football reference. I don't want to have to go through that again to watch a guy just blow and tackle after tackle in the middle of the field. Um, so I, that would be where we'd have to look at who the free agent guys are. Uh, do they make it more of a rotational deal? Can Bernard actually step in? I don't think so. Can Tyrell Dodson step in? I don't think so. So they, they would need to find something that would fit what they would do and, and put that guy in a position to succeed. Um, with Poyer, I am more confident that they would be able to find a defensive back who would be able to do it. And that guy may be on the roster already in in Christian Benford. So I I think that they'd be able to, to find that a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. my worries in the holes are actually on the offensive side. Um, but that's, that's a, a story for, I guess, a little bit later.
3: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just mentioned, uh, big egos on a team. I mean, there's rumors swirling around about Stefan Diggs getting yeah. traded, you know, and I don't think that's going to happen. There's just so much of a dead cap hit that the yeah. Bills would eat. Like It's like $37 million yes. Finan- this season. Yeah.
1: Financially, it's impossible because even if you wanted to make the argument, oh, if you made it a post-June 1 trade, it would only be $11.5 million this season and you'd actually save money. Okay, but then next year it's $24 million to pay the guy who is... Already, arguably, a top five receiver, if not top three receiver in team history to deal him. Why? Because he's pissed off that they lost? I mean, of course he's mad that they lost. So I I think a lot of that stuff is, is much ado about nothing.
3: It's fans talking about things and being worried about their team, yes. which I think we all are to a point because it feels like especially now that we're getting into free agency, like they pushed all their chips to the center of the table last season. Kind of like not to the same point of the Rams just giving up all draft picks to get Von Miller or whatever, yep. all their all the all the trades that they did, you know, for Matthew Stafford and all that stuff. Like that like that aside, like they were thinking like, we'll figure out next year 'Cause we know we're not in a great spot like financially. But we're gonna do what we can this year. Like no none of us saw Von Miller happening because we're like they can't afford it and they had to rework a lot of things and now they're paying for it. So it's just it's just an interesting thing. Like I feel it as a fan, like I don't wanna take another step back next year, uh as a fan. I think that's that's probably fueling a lot of things on social media or just, you know, the message boards of like, you know, what's gonna happen is the Bill Super Bowl window actually closed or not, you know?
1: Yeah. Cause I, I've gotten that a lot. Like a, a guy texted me today and said, are we trading Stefan Diggs? I, I saw it on Twitter and I, I told him the, the dead cap thing. And I'm like, no, that's not happening, but I've a lot of, cause again, I'm the, I'm the only Bills fan in my building because most of the guys around me are Jets fans or Giants fans. And I've had like, I've gotten some wild takes. Like, I don't know. The the Super Bowl window, it's definitely dwindling. I was like, the Super Bowl window's open while they have Josh Allen. Next. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of great teams in the AFC. Yep. And only one team wins every single year. So 31 teams are going to be real upset that they didn't win. And I agree with you. I think that last year, not only do I think that they said, we'll figure out next year, next year, but I think they figured that this year they'd be figuring it out with a Lombardi trophy. In the case, I think that when they signed Von Miller, I think that Bean sat there and said, yeah, we just won the damn thing. Like, let's go because we'll be completely fine. I don't think they saw not they didn't see the knee happening to him. I don't think they saw that they'd have two guys have to be taken off in ambulances during the year. I don't think they saw that they would play a game in Miami where Tommy Doyle had a torn ACL on that last drive, by the way. Like he definitely had a blown out knee and he had to play because otherwise they would have been putting like Ed Oliver at right guard because they had like a hundred dudes down with heat stroke. The Miami dudes were on the field. They couldn't even pass rush because they couldn't breathe at that point. Like all the way the, the Justin Jefferson catch at the end of the Minnesota game that, that, it, and the, the, yep. the fumble that like, how does that even happen? but that whole game was like, so billsy if you will. <laughs> and, and like it, the whole of the season and then to top it off a guy who I really respect at work. He's, he was our varsity football coach for a while. He looks at me, he goes, I think Stefan Diggs is a cancer man. He's just, he's whiny. Josh Allen is a better quarterback without him. And I was like, uh, whatever you're smoking right now, I would love to have some because I, I think that, I, 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 just didn't even know what to do with that at that point. So I, I do. I get why people are, it's, it's funny season right now. There's, we're in that point where it's only spring training baseball. The, t- the, the March Madness tournament hasn't started yet. There's not a lot happening. So this is where all that weird is going to get reported on and, and taken off. And I, I just don't think, I think that once camp starts again, digs is going to be digs. Alan's going to be Alan and, and they're going to be completely fine. I, I don't see them as being Micah Hyde said it that they, I think he literally said, we know who digs is and we know how to deal with them. <laughs> like, and everybody's got that guy in the locker room who's kind of a mm-hmm. pain in the ass, but you know that you need him and he's also the fire. Like, like that's the straw that stirs the drink. That's the guy who gets everybody hyped up. So I, I, I don't see them doing anything. I don't see him divaing his way out like he did in Minnesota. Um, and look, maybe I'm completely wrong. I've, I've been accused of being way too optimistic before. So I, I think that, that I, I'm fine with how he's acting and what he's doing and, and how everything went down because him yelling on the sidelines. Didn't you feel like yelling at everybody yeah, while well, you were watching that game? Yeah. Awesome
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He, he did what we were all feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't yell because my, my eight-year-old and my five-year-old were there. So everything that I would have yelled would have been, like, really bad for for them to go with it. But I, I just, I I have zero problem with it. I have zero problem with him answering questions about playing with his brother. I have zero problem with him uh, wanting the football because and the teams that he mentions, right? Like, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. If it's third and eight, who's it going to? Kelsey. every time everyone knows it like i mean everyone in the stands knows it's going to 87 and they do it and he they scheme something so that he gets the ball right in vegas the ball's going to Devonte adams It's i feel like i make basketball analogies with you all the time if there's three seconds left and it's a tie game and you're playing the golden state warriors who are you doubling you're doubling oh, Steph. you're doubling Steph curry. curry yes like, and, and, and guess what? He's going to get the ball and he's going to shoot it and chances are he's going to make it.
3: Even if you double him. It <laughs> yes. Doesn't matter.
1: Even if you double him, it does not matter. And that, I think, when Diggs saw that teams were playing coverages that made it harder to throw to him, and instead of saying, well, shit, we better scheme something up to get our best player the ball, we were like, actually, let's throw 30 yard outs to Gabe Davis. I like I like Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis is a very good complementary piece. I think that he got beaten up a little bit too badly this year. I also think he had too much responsibility thrown on him. Um, But the best player gets the ball and you need to get your best people the ball in clutch situations. And I feel like Buffalo doesn't do that when other teams do. And I think if that's where his anger is stemming from, because he knows if he touches the ball 12 times, they do better. Yeah, I'm okay with that.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's almost as if they're like, oh, well, that guy's, you know, he's, it's a good cornerback on the other side of Diggs. It's like, who cares? It yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even if he's the best cornerback in the league, it's still 50-50 that Diggs could come down with the catch every time. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, I don't know if that's a a Josh Allen thing or a scheming open thing, or maybe it's a combination, to yeah. be honest. It's, it's just like, you know, Josh doesn't see it, he doesn't like the coverage, so then he goes away from him. Mm-hmm. Because I've read articles from Joe B kind of stating as much, like he went to go look at him early and it was good coverage, but it wasn't like that all game. In fact, there were times when he could have, like specifically the Bengals game, I'm thinking of. But but yeah, it's, so, so go ahead.
1: No, Allen's the kind of guy who, and I love him, but I feel like you can sucker him into playing into his hero tendency. If you're a defensive coordinator, I think you can show him a look where it looks like he's going to have a guy one-on-one deep and he'll be like, I can throw it 70 yards. Oh yeah, I'm doing it. Let's go. But he doesn't really have that guy one-on-one. And I, I think every quarterback gets stuck doing that sometimes when, when you've got a guy who's, who's great and, I think that early in the year he was taking the easy money. It was like, do you remember what the offense looked like against the Rams against the Titans? Oh yeah. It was 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards. If he takes that all day long, he is completely unstoppable. And this offense is completely unstoppable because you can't sit on it all day long because they have guys who will burn you deep. And regardless of how far the ball has to be thrown, he can throw it. So I, I wonder how much of it was scheme, but I also wonder how much of it was an adjustment, and then Allen not making the adjustment himself on the field.
3: So you've done a number of state state of the roster articles um, at buffalorumblings.com. dot uh, com. You know, you just did one about wide receivers, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're looking at that group. Like you said, Gabe Davis is a complimentary, good complimentary receiver. Um, where does the Bills slot receiver where's the future of the slot receiver go because it was Isaiah McKenzie's and I mean I argue it was a very disappointing season there yeah. I mean he didn't take I mean we've been waiting for six years for this guy or five years to take the next step and he just hasn't um I'm I'm really willing to just say like that experiment's over I really wish we had seen more of Shakir Khalil mm-hmm. Shakir in the slot role um did you feel like that like after writing that article and kind of reviewing the the system as a whole
1: yeah, I position. I felt like watching like I felt it was frustrating watching throughout the year because I think McKenzie seems to do very well against man coverage. You can't play man coverage against Buffalo because then if you don't spy Allen, he's going to run for 25 yards every single time you you play man and and bring extra guys. You have to do some sort of combo mix in the back, which really limits what McKenzie can do in terms of his route Running. He doesn't seem to feel the, the space in a zone. That's why they like reanimated Cole Beasley and brought him back from the the grave at that point and just said, Hey, (laughs) let's bring this dude back in. And then he played 61 snaps in two playoff games after having been chilling out on his couch. So it, it like that's problematic to me where they didn't even trust Shakir enough to do it. And Beasley played well. Uh, against Miami, especially, I think he had five for 68 and a touchdown, something like that. It, it was a nice day for him, but Shakir, uh, Shakir over the, uh, the playoffs overall had five for 91. And I, I think that if you look at the year that that kid had, even in the beginning, like that guy was electric in the preseason and you could just kind of see it like, Oh shoot, this, this kid's going to be something. And I think he was inactive in the first game. And I remember being shocked because I, I, I wrote about him in my like five players to watch. And I'm like, I'm going to big brain this. Nobody's going to look about, want me to talk about digs. I'm going to talk about the rookie. And then it was like healthy scratch. Khalil Shakir. Like great. Here we go. There's a w- of course. <laughs> w- wasted spot. Murphy's law. But I, I think that guy is the future of the slot position. Um, I don't. And I, somebody brought it up. I, I can't remember. Forgive me if the commenter who brought it up is listening to this. My bad that I don't remember which one of you it was, but somebody wrote, uh, that, that if we think or if I think that McKenzie is overvalued at his cap number, uh, then Gabe Davis is certainly overvalued at his cap number based on their production. As they did, if you look at it, Davis had 48 catches. I think McKenzie had 42 some on significantly fewer targets. Um, Davis also played more snaps than any receiver on the roster, even though he played one less game than any receiver on the roster. So I, I don't think that Davis is undervalued per se. They really like him as a blocker. He's a solid deep threat. Uh, is he as consistent a hands catcher as we'd like to be out of a number two? Absolutely not. Um, but I, I think that in terms of the slot position, here's another one if you want me to like big brain it. Why not Stefan Diggs in there more often? Like, get me somebody else who can line up outside. Maybe Shakir can line up outside every once in a while, too, because a lot of number one corners don't travel to the slot. So if you want to really scheme something up for your best guy, let's get Diggs in the slot a little bit more. That's my if i had one wish right is that a country song my wish (laughs) for you yeah yeah, please put digs in the middle
3: yeah i think he was in the middle on that play on thanksgiving where they went to i want to say he was in the slot uh when he caught that pass to set him up for that game-winning field goal Mm -hmm. in overtime that thing was was. right
1: like that, that yeah it was that ball and to think about that that point Allen's two weeks removed from a fairly serious ucl injury
3: we didn't even talk about the injury that yeah. alan had to his ucl which we might have lost him for the season
1: yeah and i'm frankly when it happened i was like "Uh oh he's effed but then he uncorks a freaking missile to davis like on pure piss and vinegar and adrenaline and it's like "Eh, ah, whatever i'll be fine i'll be <laughs> fine and i'm like oh god the case keenum experiment here this is just what we need and then the guy comes out and throws for like 350 against minnesota and then does that against detroit uh but yeah that was i think you're right i think and it was one of those i think where dig started outside emotion in the slot and then it got them the matchup that they needed so i i think that needs to happen more
0: vacations can be tricky Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Another day is here and you're
3: ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available
3: for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, liked, I like what you said, moving him into the slot. Just motion in general. Like, let's move these players around. Let's not make it so, okay, this is where we're lining up. Go. Yeah. Um, so when you look at when you just did your stay of the roster uh, for the wide receivers, uh, you know, you mentioned moving digs to the slot. I mean, if you had your choice and the Bills are going to pick a wide receiver, would you want more of a boundary wide receiver or a slot wide receiver in free agency or whoever is going to be the next ascending star in that wide receiver group?
1: Uh, I want a boundary. I, I want an outside guy there. And preferably, and I think the coaching staff likes guys who can line up both spots inside and outside. Uh But I, I don't want, I don't want to see them pick a slot only. I don't want, even if it's like in the draft, I think a lot of guys are in love with somebody like Zay Flowers from, uh, from Boston college. And like that, that kid's electric. That would be awesome. I'd be a little hesitant to take that guy as a, as a quote unquote slot only up high, unless you know that he's going to get reps and you know that you're going to use him right away. Um, One of the, the popular names in adding for free agency was DJ Chark. Uh, and that guy would be wonderful to add to this offense, put him outside. He's probably going to get 10, 12 million dollars a year. They, they just cannot afford that. They have to go and it sounds so bad. They're, they're going to have to roll the dice on a guy, basically play money ball with this person. It's like, Hey, Brandon, Paris Campbell is our free agent. He's an NFL wide receiver. The only problem is he's almost always hurt. And they have to go, all right, well, screw it. Let's, let's give it a shot here and see. And that's, I, I just made fun of the guy that I want them to sign, but that yeah. Paris Campbell is, is my guy because he's, he's not huge. He's like six feet tall, maybe 180 pounds, straight up burner, great separator in space. So if you put him in there, he can be the guy that motions into the slot. He can motion out of the slot. He can be, he can be the boundary guy while Diggs is on the inside. Um, he can take some of the snaps away from Gabe Davis. So instead of playing, you know, 85% of the snaps, maybe Davis plays 75% or 70% of the snaps. Uh, and Campbell doesn't have to be a dude who plays 80% because he could sit there and, and play 40% and get Shakir 40% of the snaps. And then you've got some, some flexibility. In there, but I, I think that in, in the question of who you'd add, I don't want them to add a big money number two, because I think that the, they, they need to allocate those resources otherwhere or other places where you would need big dudes, like on the offensive line, like at the linebacker spot. Um, but I, I, possibly even at running back, you might need to, to add some bodies. I don't think they need to add a big money guy, but, uh, maybe we could uh, we could tick Bruce Nolan off and talk about drafting somebody in the first round later on
3: <laughs> yeah I actually let's let's go right into that because <laughs> uh, I, I mean there's there's been rumors about just about every big-name running back, it feels like, to the yeah. Buffalo Bills, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, which is actually a real thing, but like Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and now you know we're talking about Derrick Henry possibly being traded. I mean, when you hear that, is that just ridiculousness, or do you think that that actually could happen for the Buffalo Bills, and do you want it to?
1: You know, I've, I have kind of been anti-spend resources on a running back, but then I kind of tried to picture a backfield where there's a read option play with Derrick Henry and Josh Allen. And isn't that fun to think about like just two absolute monsters coming at you. Like that, that's like the nightmare on the playground when you're like the fifth grader and there's the two eighth graders who have the voices down like this when you still talk like this and they're running straight at you and you're like, uh, shit, there's nothing I can do here. I'm just going to bail out and make a business decision. So like, what, what do you think Tennessee would want for Henry? Because like I'll I'll start a GoFundMe for it because I would be okay with that because you're talking about mortgage in the future to win right now. Like what's Henry? 29 years old. Maybe he has yep. one two years left. That's all I need, baby. Like if, mm-hmm. what do you what do you think it would take to get that done?
3: I think it would take at least one first, um, probably a first and a day two or day three pick, maybe future or this next year for sure, and. Uh, I mean, he's a franchise. He's the franchise yeah. quarterback for that team because they don't really have a... I mean, Tannehill, I guess, but he's it's like not Tannehill's nothing without yeah. a run game. No,
1: yeah, so. you know that. No, I, this
3: They're yeah. rebuilding if they get rid of Derrick Henry. They're yes. absolutely rebuilding.
1: Yeah, if, if it's a one, I'm out. If it's a first rounder, I'm out, I think, on that one because I think Buffalo's in a position where I'd rather see them trade that first round pick to trade for more draft picks to get down a little bit and stockpile. But, like... If you could do it with, with maybe this year's two and next year's two, like, that, that gets more enticing to me a little bit. If I can still keep my round one, then I feel okay. But, uh, I also think that we're going crazy. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that that's more of the, uh, the speculation. I think he fits the age profile though, cause for, I'm, he, Brandon Bean loves to sign old guys to, to play running back. I mean, let's, let's call Frank Gore while we're at it. Get him back here. Let's go, Frank. Yeah, well, my yeah. guy is still or, in shape. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Mike Tolbert? I mean, let's just let's just sign all the old ones. <laughs> I, I forgot, all the I old forgot ones. about him. <laughs> uh, I mean, you just mentioned not allocating resources. Would you ever take a running back in the first round? I mean, depending, even if it's your favorite running back in the draft.
1: So I think it's a, it's the value thing, right? you got to look at it and say, what am I paying for? And running back has been so devalued that you can look at Kansas City and they get a guy like Pacheco, who is a monster, who is he a sixth round pick or is he undrafted? He's he's something like... I can't remember. Yeah, he's something towards the back end. Um, So from that end, it feels like it would be foolish. But running backs, basically, the overpay starts when it's the second contract. So if you can control a running back's future, destiny, basically, for five years you are controlling that running back for the best part of his career. So if I'm picking at 27, and I I think the only guy in this particular draft would be Bijan Robinson, which that's the the fun part of all the mock drafts. Like if you do the simulator games, he'll fall to 27 every time. And I don't think that's happening in real life either. I think somebody will will get him before that. But if that guy's there at 27... And, and Bean feels like, Hey, I got this kid and, and for five years, now I've got this dynamite dude who can help us to, to take running back mileage off of our all world quarterback. I, I would trust it because we'd be giving Alan what he needs, which is resources. And I don't, I guess the other question, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you and then like, is James Cook a feature back or is James Cook, a Robin to somebody's Batman in your eyes.
3: Um, I think that he is not a feature back and I don't think it's necessarily because he's not able to be. I just don't think the bills have any interest of ever having a guy be a feature back unless they're one of the best in the entire league. Like let McCoy. Um, they just seem so scared of doing that, of giving a guy, you know, 15 to 20 touches per game. It always feels like it's being... Every time they do that, too, by the way, when Devin Singletary was finally getting fed, like, it was it was going well for the Bills' offense. It felt like... Uh, I, w- I would love to see James Cook get get more touches this year and become a larger part of the offense because I thought he looked good Running the ball and catching the ball towards the end. Yep. What scares me though is his pass blocking on third down or whenever he has to. I don't think he's very good at it. And PFF grades make it like, like, so I was, I brought this up on the last episode, but, um, my co-host was like, oh, you know, you might want to get someone else just to help with third down blocking. And I looked at the, the grade of Devin Singletary pass blocking and he's a 73.2, um, which is really good in yeah. PFF scores, right? Um, James Cook was a 26.2. So not 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 great, Bob. No, that's uh, <laughs> no. yeah. So I don't feel comfortable leaving them in those positions right now, and that's where a veteran comes in. Do you leave it to Nien Himes, or is that more of a Alexander Madison or whoever else, another veteran back, or you know just another? I, I just was looking at Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick. Oh, okay. like. I'm completely fine not using. I've always been the guy that's don't use a first round draft pick against. I mean, we ju, like, I think you just mentioned this um, earlier is that we used three day, two picks on running backs in four years. Yep. And I'm tired of doing it to start hitting on them or stop doing it. Like, and it's, it's to the point, but this is an interesting stat and this is something I researched, not expecting to get this evidence, Sean. And let me know mm-hmm. what you think about this. Cause, uh, I was going to save this, but you, we were talking about it. And uh, Devin Singletary, of all running backs, had a really interesting stat. Because I try to find stats that make me think, like, how good was the offensive line for running the ball last year? In my head, I'm like, it wasn't that good, right? right. Like, just watching it live. He was actually, Devin Singletary was 11th in the entire league for running backs for yards before contact, huh. meaning before someone hit him. Now, that could be... Uh, a product of the offensive line blocking for him so well or him just being able to find a hole and him being that evasive, I'm not sure. But yards after contact, Singletary was like 32nd of all running backs after contact, which normally has really good contact balance, not so much this past year. Okay, that's fine. Look at like Bijan Robinson, who was like, I want to say his average per attempt of yards after contact was 1.2 yards after contact. John Robinson this last year at Texas is like 6.5 yards after contact Jesus. he averaged per attempt <laughs> per attempt now now that's not a direct correlation whatsoever I mean right. it's a completely different league but like the just the difference mm-hmm. of like one from the other whereas devin Singletary couldn't get to that next level or whatever he couldn't it's just I'm starting to come around to think like, the run game would get better with someone that talented. And 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 the more I think about it, like I really want a guard, but I don't think the Bills value guards that high in the I'm draft. So you. I don't think they're going to spend one, you know? So we mentioned like Spencer Brown, you said specifically, uh, Spencer Brown getting a, a, an actual full off season, not having back surgery, getting a full training camp, um, and then moving Ryan Bates over to left guard. I mean, the only difference between that 2021 offensive line that really helped them down the stretch and made, in my opinion, was one of the main reasons why that offense was so unstoppable in the Patriots game and the Chiefs game at mm-hmm. points was because the only difference is they don't have um, uh, Daryl Williams at right guard. Yeah, it's like that's that's the only difference. Their offensive line and their weapons are almost identical.
1: And you know who's, um, you know was, who's built like Daryl Williams? Who's a guard? Who they could take in the draft pretty early. My guy Cyrus Os- Tor- oh, Sirens-, oh, Sirens Torres Torres. Sirens- that's Sirens- that's, Sirens- that's yeah. my guy, man, and I'm with you because they don't value guards. But if you want to make that offensive line what it can be, they need a big, mean, angry guy to sit right in the middle there, and that's my dude. That that would Do- be the guy for me.
3: Do you think they can get him in the second round or it has to be a first round pick?
1: I don't think that they're going to get him where they pick at 59. Uh, but if the ideal world is that something happens where like, you've got a talented edge rusher maybe that's sitting there at 27 and maybe you've got a couple of corners and like guys at sexy positions, you know what I mean? Somebody falls and somebody like the Cardinals... That, that's chilling out there at like 34, 35, they want to trade in. And you can get two or three picks for that first rounder, and then you take Torrance at the top of the second round. That That's the money spot for me. Like, if you can get two or three draft picks in a trade down, then, then you do that a 100 times out of a 100 because you will be able to, A, address what I think is your biggest need and what should be your biggest priority. I mean, stop letting josh allen get fucking annihilated three quarters of of the football games yes he puts himself in harm's way but how many times did that guy drop back or in the shotgun gets the ball and he is on his second step of the drop and there are three dudes throwing lookout blocks you know what i mean they're all just sitting there saffold is spun around It, it, it was like yeah, it, like my favorite Billy Joel album is Turnstiles. And that was the freaking offensive line at <laughs> the time. Like guys were playing all kinds of just look around and oh, here we are. And you're just sitting there going, well, Josh is Josh. He'll be able to back out of that. But you don't want to rely on the unicorn to be the unicorn 55% of his dropbacks or however many times like you just knew it. You're like, oh, shit, like he, he can't block him. That's not going to work. you you need a guy. And Saffold was bad. Bates didn't look like he was very comfortable on the opposite side. Feels weird to say that. Like you'd figure a guard is a guard is a guard. But I mean, a left tackle is different than a right tackle. So it it makes sense that a right guard would be different than a left guard. Just like guys were killing Mitch Morse. I've seen a lot of chat like we should cut Mitch Morse to save everything. No, 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 no. Mitch Morse is the literal linchpin of that entire unit. Like that's that I to me, he's the guy like it's it's him and then Dawkins and then everybody else to me. I don't know that the PFF grades bear that out. I think that it's Dawkins and then him. Uh, but but if you lose Morse out of there, then it, it's kind of a free for all. You could move Bates to center, but you're you're creating too many holes at that point. I, I think he's a restructure guy, not a cut guy. But I've, Osiris Torrance, that's, that's who I would be. I'd be the scout in the room saying, please, Brandon, I know that you prefer the offensive tackle that you can kick inside that has some versatility. I know that you prefer the, the edge rusher or maybe somebody like Antonio Johnson, like the big old safety out of Texas A&M. But please, 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 please give me my big fat guy who, who can just go up there and just beat the ever loving. Jesus out of every single person across from me that's what i want
3: <laughs> this this i mean I, I the more i read the more i'm starting to finally get into some draft stuff i mean osiris torrens he played um like 99 of his snaps at right guard at florida yeah. i mean you're talking exactly what we just said like and it's not like he's he was the highest graded guard in all of pro football focus for all of guards in college football and uh, then he was uh, the fourth he was the fourth best in 2021
1: yeah yeah no so i He's elite. Absolutely,
3: it's not sexy. It's not sexy, and I don't care about sex anymore. Nope. Because when Josh, like you said, I, I love, I love what you brought up about him snapping the ball and having three guys in his face. Because how many times as Bills fans do we watch Josh Allen take a snap and automatically have a free rusher just <laughs> rushing at him, or two, like, or two, and and he just like somehow finds a way to sidestep him. The Bills never get free rushers like that against opposing quarterbacks, like nope. you know, causing pressure or whatever up the got her around the side like they never get that and Josh Allen's constantly dealing with it protect your investment do what you have to do do what the do what the um Kansas City Chiefs did two years ago when they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl they really realized they needed to beef up their offensive line they did it through free agency they did it through the draft and it's like well let's see what else they can do yeah. for the rest of the team and they managed to do it
1: yes no it's it you, it goes back to the running back debate right the only reason you're taking a guy at a quote unquote undervalued position is because he is elite and because you can guarantee yourself those, those years of team control at, for an elite player at that position. And, and Torrance is, is very clearly an elite player at that position. And I, I think that if it, if it comes down to the running back or the guard, two picks that, by the way, I'm sitting here passionately arguing for and very, very likely that neither of them get picked, but I, I, I'm taking the offensive lineman. Give me the big guy, because because nothing happens in football without the guys up front, and, and they're the guys who get the least amount of, of praise and the biggest amount of blowback when stuff goes wrong. And and those are the dudes that that I need. You, you take care of your quarterback by going ahead and getting him a big fella. And and getting him somebody that'll that'll help him to be more protective. That's that's what I do.
3: And if there was ever a season to draft a guard high, like you said, trade back into the first round or you know, back into the top of the second round to mm-hmm. do it, it's this season because uh interior offensive linemen is a very weak area of the draft. So if you don't get one early, you can't necessarily rely on a fifth round pick or whatever for depth even right. at this point just because it's so I, I let me let me throw this out to you. If you can't get Osiris Torrens, what do you think about the idea of getting a center guard prospect? where he can start at guard. It can be like a Jeff Handgardner, Eric Wood sort of thing. Yeah. Where Eric Wood was drafted, even though he was a center, he moved to guard and then after Jeff Handgardner left, like Mitch Morris, you never know. This could be his last season with concussions or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and his cap hit or whatever. How nice would it be to have a guy that can just slide over and just take over uh and be ready. He's already got the professional experience. Now he just needs to be snapping the ball.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's a really good point. That it would be nice. Um, I admittedly haven't done as much look at a lot of the the center guard types, uh, especially in the the upper levels. There's, I think there's there's probably a couple of wrestlers up there that uh, that <laughs> there's a yeah a couple of wrestlers with mullets from uh, from like midwestern schools. Like the, there's a dude from Wisconsin, Joe Tipman? Yes, that Joe guy. That's the guy. Yeah, that's the dude who I look at and I'm like, this looks like a, a Buffalo pick like this is a guy who I could see McDermott being like give me this dude. Uh but even the uh the center out of Michigan too is a nice like you want to develop a middle round type. Maybe he wouldn't be able to start at guard because he's a little on the smallish side, but that would be a guy where you could like bring him along and then trust Bean to do what he does with the offensive line every year, which is build depth because they they did resign Ike Butker and, and he was quite good uh, prior to the the Achilles tendon tear that actually yep. led to Ryan Bates getting in the lineup, and Bates was even better. So, mm-hmm. what maybe one more year you you could art you could convince me twisting my arm that Butker could be in the starting lineup, but man, oh man, I don't want that to be Plan A. I would like for that to be Plan B.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Get the. I mean, Roger Saffold, based on like grading for PFF, like out of seventy-seven guards, he was a seventy-third ranked guard. Yeah, it was not good. So Ike Ike Butker should absolutely be an upgrade there. So now you're just talking about adding pieces, uh, you know, to, to for depth and also starting, you know, to start over Ike Butker and really try to challenge him. Uh, this season, and yeah, I'm all for it, man. If you can't get you've you've convinced me. If you can't get Osiris Torrance, uh for that position, and you can't trade back, um, maybe a center later. Um, I just I'm worried that they're gonna spend like a pick on a safety, maybe, or something like that. But I mean, let me know what you think about this, because the more I've been taught, like going in my head in the off season, writing down notes, is that you know, especially when Frazier was here, but even without Frazier, I mean, the Bills coaching staff, specifically with McDermott and the people that are leading the coaching staff, the defensive side of the ball has so much experience, especially when Frazier was there. You're talking 40-plus years between him and McDermott, right? You have two guys that have just a wealth of knowledge in defense, and then you have Ken Dorsey, who's only been a coordinator for one season, right? I feel like if there's ever a time to put more assets towards one side of the ball or the other, it should be in the side that has... The A has Josh Allen, of course, but then also the 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 side that needs maybe a little bit more talent that can't be coached up as much uh, necessarily. And I don't know that everything's fluid. It's hard to just make you know black and white you know decisions like that. But I mean, hey, if you're talking about a guy like in the fifth round, a fifth round safety that can be coached up to a third round level or whatever, yeah. like give <clears throat> give that guy. To McDermott, don't give this fifth or sixth round, you know, uh, wide receiver, and hope that somehow Ken Dorsey can make him a first or second round pick. No, use that first or second round pick on a wide receiver. Give, give this guy, give, give Josh Allen a weapon and a blocker within the within day by the end of day two. I guess that's what I'm looking for.
1: I'm with you. I would love it. now. I hear. What do you think about this? I'm starting to come over to team tight end instead of adding another wide receiver. Cause there are like four dudes that are straight animals at tight end. Uh, the, the kid out of Notre Dame, Mayer or Meyer, mm-hmm. uh, the, the kid out of Utah, Kincaid, um, and then the, the guy from Georgia, I think his name is, it's Washington. The guy is six, seven, 260 pounds, can motor. I saw, I saw a video of him pushing the sled on Twitter and uh-huh. it, it looked like like my daughter walking behind like one of those like little children's push cart walkers. You know what I mean? Like he's Uh pushing this thing around like nothing. And then all the other dudes that were pushing it looked like me trying to push the sled. They're like, like struggling with it. Meanwhile, this guy's like one arm shoving it around. If I Uh could, if they went like big offensive lineman, round one, big tight end round two, and then basically kind of zigged while the league is zagging. Because instead of going out there, okay, we've got Davis, we've got Diggs, we've got Shakir. That's a good receiving core if the two guys that we drafted develop. But if you want to go ahead and look a little bit more multiple, say, throw two tight end sets out there every once in a while, maybe try to run with that. And, and try to shift your personnel in a league that knows you like to pass more. And it also might open up some holes in the running game, knowing that you've got two gigantic tight ends that, that would be able to to help out. So I don't know. There's, there's part of me that the receivers, I, I don't know if I, and I don't know enough about a lot of these guys to trust the value quote unquote. This is where I would, I would always talk to Dan Lavoie and and try to get, get his input on it. Dan has been my draft guy for his, his entire time at rumblings and we're going to miss you, buddy. But the, uh, I it, he's always been that dude that, that I would say, Hey, look, am I nuts or should this happen? And he would go, no, you're absolutely insane. And, and like set me straight. So what do you, what do you think if they went instead of going wide receiver guard or like wide receiver tackle, let's say they went guard tight end. Are you okay? Are you angry? How you feeling?
3: I don't hate that at all because uh, the the only reservation I have about the tight end position is it takes so long to develop. But That's a good point. But but in my scenario, when I was thinking about that usually it's like i don't want to spend a first round pick on a tight end because it takes four or five years to develop him. they don't usually develop until their second contract if they do ever uh but at the same time if you already have one and this guy can be specifically thrown into roles where it will be strictly a pass catching route like let's say he runs you know let's say you can get him out in the field for when dawson knox needs a breather or it allows him dawson knox to actually get uh and run some more routes while you're blocking like I would be all for that. I I always usually say like a pass catching, like when you have your franchise quarterback, this is just my own personal philosophy and it's a pretty easy one, but sometimes it goes by the wayside is every year you need to be getting a blocker and a pass catcher for your, for your, uh, quarterback. I mean, you're just doing him a disservice if you're not. You have seven picks. If two of them aren't spent on him specifically, then you're doing him a disservice because that's what the, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers did all those years. That's why they had Antonio Brown. That's why they had Heinz Ward. That's why they had Plaxico Burris. That's why they always had, they always yeah. had a steady stream of, think about the, the Packers before Devontae Adams left. They always had, they had Randall Cobb and then they had Jordy Nelson and then they, they always had some, always had guys going through that were really good. Um, so absolutely, and I put tight end within that pass catcher um, scenario because they don't have anyone past um, Dawson Knox really besides what Quentin Morris.
1: Yeah, and, that's and the, there were guys in the in the state of the roster saying, "I'd love to see Q get a get more of a chance." And same thing, me too. Love the guy, great story. He should not be Plan A as the be, as the exactly. backup there. The the team, if if you're in a championship window. And, and you have the opportunity to replace a guy who is pretty good with a guy who is significantly more talented. I think you do it. And it, if I would not be mad at all if this team went in some combination in the first three picks, uh, wide out tight end guard. I would love that. I don't think it's going to happen. My, my, my fear is that they take another defensive end and then you'll, oh. you'll, You'll hear me screaming. Don't from, say that, Sean. Don't say that. Don't gonna, speak it
3: into existence. Oh, I'm going to
1: put it out there because I'm wrong with everything that I predict. So that's that's yes. that's what it is. They're, yeah, they're going to take a defensive end in the first round. I'll 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 flip out.
3: Well, I I this is so in talking to this this gentleman about who's a draft analyst and he was covering the combine. He said the defensive line in general defensive end defensive tackle is a really deep class so if there was a time for you to take like those three offensive positions what by the way if you if they did that bill's mafia would be ecstatic and then all of a sudden you know you're talking about you know taking defensive end, taking a defensive tackle Mm -hmm. in positions where they're going to need uh i know you just did you know stay of the roster but they're losing three defensive tackles in 2024 including ed oliver daquan jones um And Tim Settles the next one if they don't cut him this this offseason. Um so they need defensive tackle. Like that's that's something where I can definitely see them drafting if they don't sign a guy, which I don't think they necessarily will. Uh but yeah, then go after the you know, I I might the only position I might throw in there with those three picks being a defensive position is middle linebacker if they don't sign a Levante David or like a uh nate or david long or bobby wagner or tj edwards or something like that like one of those that like i mean i'd personally like if you want to get a, a a cheaper guy that's like six seven million a year i'd take Leighton van Esch and
1: yep. then
3: you know draft a guy in the first three rounds at some point and just have him you know like one year deal like hey prove it you know or whatever like yeah. a veteran guy that has experience like you know you either go for like the top of the line guy, like 10, 11, 12 million, what you were going to pay Tremaine Edmonds, and you give it to a future Hall of Famer like Levante David or someone of that caliber, or you take a flyer on a veteran and draft a guy. You know? Yeah, that's you the only. Hope. That's the only. Now that we're talking about it more, if they spend a day one or day two pick on anything besides those four positions, and I would throw tight end into it, you've convinced me. Um I feel like I'm going to come away a little dis- a little bit disappointed for that.
1: Yeah, I I think that I think that the only position we can guarantee that they're not going to draft early is is quarterback. I think everything else I, I <laughs> yeah. could I don't think they're going to take a cornerback early either cuz I I think that they're probably pretty comfortable with what they have. Um I would I don't think they're going to take an interior defensive lineman in the first round. Um I don't think that they're going to take I don't think they're going to take a guard in the first round as much as I want no. them to. I don't think they're going to. Um, I, I don't think they're going to take a center in the first round. I don't think they're going to take an offensive tackle in the first round either, although that's one of those that it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, I don't think they're going to take a— But then, a
3: rest- but then yeah. so so real quick real quick on that, Sean, because I've been seeing, like I thought I saw a mock draft on com where they took—I um, forget exactly which offensive tackle it was— it's a guy um, from
1: Tennessee, I think. Uh, yes, yes. Wright, I think is his last name. Darnell Wright. Yes, that's
3: that sounds right. Yeah. And the thing that gets me about that is that's not a – I mean, it's a need <clears throat> compared to, you know, like could they upgrade it? Sure. Um, Anton Harrison, right? Anton Harrison from OU? Uh, yeah. Am I thinking?
1: That's, that's another one um, too. I've seen a few.
3: And I, I, to me, I'm like, well, it was supposed to be Deion Dawkins as your left tackle. It was supposed to be Spencer Brown or Tommy Doyle as your right tackle. And now you're telling me, and those guys, by the way, like, I like the intangibles. We still have yet to see real starter potential, like out of both of them, like consistently good starter potential. So the thing that scares me is that you can't move those guys to guard. Right. Like they are six foot eight. You know, like th- those, Those are guys that were drafted to be tackles. Another thing that Bean kind of pigeonholed himself into by taking two guys at the exact same size and weight or whatever it was, you know, those RAS scores off the chart, that's great, but they're not at the point that you really want them to play guard. So now you... So if you're telling me you're taking Anton Harrison with a first-round pick, well, what are we doing with Spencer Brown? I mean, Spencer Brown, I guess, could be the swing tackle. Tommy Doyle's a wasted pick at this point, I guess. I mean, I don't know. There were talks of him becoming guard, but still at that point, nobody was really confident in it.
1: Well, no, and and he did play. Like I said earlier, he played a guard in the Miami game, but that was only because literally every other offensive lineman who was dressed was – hurt or, or out with some sort of heat illness at that point. And, and the guy gutted got through a blown out knee to get it done. But that's, it's not, you're not going to go into the year, like you said, with him. All right. We're going to move this guy and he's going to be a guard entirely. He's going to be that versatile backup piece. And I think that if you, if you make that first round pick and it's an offensive tackle, you are giving up on Spencer Brown you're you're telling be, him, right? you have to be there is no other possibility you can't say oh we're going to let him compete for it no, there's no competition at that point you have signaled to him that the competition is over the first second that he screws up he's out of the lineup like that's that's how it's going to end up rolling at that point so i i don't i think if you're going to take an offensive tackle in the first round it's got to be with an eye to move him to guard but then why wouldn't you just take the freaking guard at that exactly. point, like, to, just take the guy who's already naturally playing there and, and just do it. Um, my, I Do you think that they would take a safety in the first round? Do you think that they value it that highly? Uh,
3: I don't. I don't think that they do. I think everything that you mentioned earlier when talking about safety is something that they feel like, specifically at the safety position, is that they can get away with. Um, coaching a guy up from a lesser – that has lesser talent or lesser experience. Like, I mean, I don't think Micah Hyde – I don't know what round Micah Hyde was. Maybe a fourth or fifth round pick or something like that. I think he was fifth. Was he a fifth? Yeah. And then Poyer was either undrafted or a seventh round pick? Poyer was a
1: seventh, and it was like the back end of the seventh round too. And and again, those were dudes – Green Bay should never let Hyde go. That was so Mm -hmm. dumb on on their part. When we signed him, I was – really excited poyer i'm not gonna lie i had no idea who the hell he was when when they (laughs) signed him i was like they signed a guy from cleveland and i'm supposed to be happy about this and then when i watched him play i was like holy shit he's good i know he's
3: good he's good it's gonna i i wouldn't be against it uh i could see it happening but i don't think it will I don't think it will. And the more that we talk about the offensive tackle in the first round um, idea is that uh, Bean and McDermott were quick to uh, defend Spencer Brown when talking about his struggles at the end of uh, the season post-game or post pref conference or whatever, yep. locker room clean-out press conference. So that leads me to believe that they think that he's, you know, their guy going forward. Um, you know, one thing that disappoints me, and I don't know if it's like this for other teams because I don't follow every other team, but I just. It would be nice if when a big-name free agent like this went, and we haven't had any luckily because the Bills re-signed everyone since Sean McDermott's tenure, except for maybe like Harrison Phillips, I guess you could say. Right. But like every one of them, they've been able to sign Milano, Dawkins, Dravius White, all those guys. It's just that we've never had the option of having someone else step in because we've drafted so well. That, like, it's okay. We won't have necessarily Tremaine Edmonds, but we'll get 70, 80% of him on a rookie contract. And then maybe when he's done with that deal, maybe we re sign him or whatever. Right. Like, there's just, we just don't seem to have that kind of depth. I don't know if all teams do, but I feel like other teams have more of these options, like when Mario Williams came to Buffalo from Houston. The Texans were like, we know you're going to cost a lot of money. We have guys that we've drafted, so we're good. We had they had Whitney Merciless. They had uh, Brooks Reed, I think, or whatever. Like They were good. They, yeah. they were all set, and he's just like, okay, I guess I'll go. And the Bills can't do that with anyone, really. <laughs> think yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, like some of the places that they've tried, and I wonder if it's just because we're hard on them, because you've got, like, like Davis was supposed to be that guy wide out but even though his targets he had 30 more targets this year he only had like five more catches on the season um yeah then i think about like the defensive line i guess would you consider i guess von miller was jerry hughes's <laughs> turn out the lights von miller was <laughs> uh was jerry hughes's replacement rather than uh than the draft picks being the replacement and i it's hard for me to call a guy like A.J. Epinesa a disappointment because he fell on the draft for a reason. And they kind of jerked him around having him put on weight and then drop weight. And then he's been effective in spurts. And a guy like Boogie Basham has had so few opportunities that it's hard to, to kill him on some of these things. So I, I, do, I wonder how much of it is our perception and being like, uh-oh, the drop-off is huge here. And how much of it is just like everybody else. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure. I also feel like, I don't know, as crazy as us Bills fans can be, I feel like we're ultimately like realists to the point of nihilism sometimes where we will mm-hmm. instantly go for the, ah, man, this is terrible. Whereas other fan bases, I feel like they'll go, Hey, this random undrafted dude is going to be an all pro. And we can look at him and go, that guy sucks. What are they, what are they all talking about? So I, I wonder yeah. if they do that to us too.
3: Yeah, I know. I, I wonder the same thing, too. It's so funny. You get into these, you know, these things in your head. Like, is Brandon being a good drafter? It's like, well, I don't follow anyone else's drafts, although I do kind of follow the AFC East draft. And yeah. they've all been having good drafts. Of course, they've had better picks than the Bills have had, yes. too, because they haven't f- finished as well. So, um, I don't know. I'm hoping that the, uh, you know, the next time we talk, and maybe, you know, you and I can talk free agency after it's all over too and yeah. kind of talk about these guys. But I'm just hoping that Aaron Rodgers is in the, in the AFC East by the time we talk next week. Oh, and that's I, not yeah. an actual thing that's happening.
1: I know. I mean, there's part of me that actually wants to see it happen because I think it's going to, if it does, it just seems like the perfect storm to end horribly. <laughs> like, just. All they would have to do is just ask him about, you know, the time he was in a dark room and start talking about like Joe Rogan. And the guy is going to say he's going to start this firestorm after firestorm that he's not used to in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I I don't know, behind an offensive line that's not a great offensive line. He gets beat up a little bit. He starts throwing guys under the bus like there there's part of me that really wants to see it but there's yeah. part of me that's like, he's Aaron fucking Rodgers, and the guy's a hall of famer. And I would much rather them say, no, thanks. We'll sign Jimmy Garoppolo instead. And yeah,
3: Oh yeah, exactly. So that, Sean, this has been a tremendous time. As always, you know, we're over an hour 20 right now, and it's just like, I, I, I felt like I didn't want to stop. Like, this was always a good conversation with you. Um, where can, I mean, people can find all your work at BuffaloRumblings.com, um, week in and week out. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to promote or, or on social media? I know you don't do a ton on Twitter or anything, but uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, to plug while we're talking?
1: Yeah, here, ready? My, my one real quick shout out because it was just yeah. International Women's Day. And the, uh, I coach the varsity softball team. So my, uh, my athletes are, are tremendous a, but B, um, my, my very good friend who's Bill's fan, his name is AJ. He is, uh, he is our varsity basketball coach and they're, uh, they're playing in the, uh, in the state quarterfinals this weekend. Oh, nice. So, so my man, AJ, uh, good luck this weekend. My brother, I used to be his, uh, his JB coach, but ever since, uh, child number two, I was, I had to drop down to one sport. Now that I've had child number three, my wife is like, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? (laughs) But no, I think, uh, I, I am very fortunate to be, uh, to, to be around a whole bunch of phenomenal athletes and, uh, and those, those young women are, are great humanoids. So I, I would like to plug them. That, that is my plug. The, uh, the Wallkill softball team, as well as our, uh, our Walk Hill Girls basketball team going for the uh, hopefully for a for a state title, but we'll we'll take what we can get at this point. We're playing with house money.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. Best of luck to AJ. All the ladies out there, International Women's Day. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, there's, we have a bunch of lady listeners too that follow us, um, and definitely a shout out to all of them, to our wives, our significant others, mm-hmm. everyone, our moms, our sisters. And you know, speaking of that, like you just mentioned that. Um, and going down that road, the last time you and I talked, we discussed uh, Matt Riza. So it is so nice to talk to you about something positive with women instead of being like, (laughs) and and by the way, you were a consummate professional because you were talking about, I think, feel like in that episode, um, you were, if I'm trying to take a positive out of anything of that, is that you were a voice for women that most women don't get from a male counterpart or a person in male uh, uh, position, because uh, you know you were mentioning how there's lots of times where there, when there is a victim like you know they they're not believed by men, they're not believed by women at some point, and I and I think that opened up my eyes a lot. I have a daughter now, and I think about those things constantly much more than I ever did. I know you have a young daughter mm-hmm. now too, and it's like. I mean, there was a conversation that I really appreciated, and your insight into that, and then your insight as, as a as a coach for girl sports and and appreciating all they do, and I think it just you know it helps it helps you know bring us all together as men and women and stuff like that. So appreciate that for sure, man. One of the many things I appreciate about you, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Nate. I appreciate that, man. You're you're a gentleman and a scholar.
3: Yep, I'm at least one or one of those things. So <laughs> you're the you're.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you. Anytime.
3: Just a reminder that this episode of Circling the Wagons is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago in Waterloo, New York.
2: Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo Buffalo, it's the Mafia. It's the Buffalo Bills, hey It's the Buffalo Bills, hey Buffalo, 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 it's the Mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. What they gonna do when Matt Milano coming with the blitz off the edge? Don't you throw it in the air, cause Trey White and Micah Highway will intercept. Von Miller getting double teamed, now the team getting easy sack. Russo with the double moves, coming straight for the quarterback Uh, Take him down, take him down McDermott clapping on the sidelines And the crowd going crazy Mafia, it's our time Josh Allen, it's your time It's the Mafia, yeah Sunday, one Bills drive Mafia, where you at? Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the Mafia. 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 It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo, it's the mafia Josh Allen, Steph Diggs Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. Mitch Moore snapped to Josh Allen, looking down the field, see no one open so he scrambled right, he sees somebody open but he off balance, so he gotta be focused Dawkins with the block, Allen with the shock 70 yards, will it be called Gabe Davis or Jay Crowder? Down the field past the whole roster, that Steph Diggs make it so easy. Touchdown, high my field rocking every Sunday, got a hangover on every Monday. Get your bass kick, you know we winning. Josh Allen passing, who gon' pass us? With Devin and Cook, you know we great. If you're not a Bills fan, we don't relate. Nah, Buffalo, 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 it's the Mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Don Brown, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking
1: us? No one. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes, and with as little as ten dollars, by visiting fundrise.com/fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com/flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything, and now everything is data